Hello, this is an audio version of a lockdown special live video stream, which you can still find on British Canoeing's YouTube and Facebook channels. Today, Etienne Stott is with Pete Assels of Peak UK, Steve Childs from Tutiga, Paul Robertson of Palm Equipment, and Matt Wilkinson from Piranha. Hello, well, welcome everybody to the Paddlecast. This is a series of shows brought to you by British Canoeing, just to help to give you a little bit of inspiration, maybe some good vibes during this, you know, crazy time. And this evening, we've got a really cool show, really looking forward to it, really excited to be joined by some people from, you know, the the, the, the top level of British paddle sport companies. Um, we've got Pete Astles from Peak UK, Matt Wilkinson from Piranha, and Steve Child from Tutiga. So, gents, it's really good to have you along. Uh, thanks for coming. And we all, oh, we've got Paul as well, Paul Robertson <laughs> from Palm as well. Nice one, mate. Um, and so that's really good. Sorry, we had a little bit of technical sweats there with Paul just last minute. He's just dabbing his brow after having some uh, internet trouble. So thank you very much. And I just thought it'd be nice if you guys just, you know, introduce yourselves. And how about Matt? Why don't you start? That's all right. Yeah, oh, sure. Uh, it's your birthday today, so you should definitely go first. Happy <laughs> birthday. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm the uh, the marketing manager at Piranha Kayaks. Um, it's uh, a small company, as, uh, as the rest of us are as well. Um, and so, kind of a job title doesn't really mean very much. We end up doing a little bit of everything. So, any questions that anybody's got of any aspect, I'll do my best to answer them. Uh, and yeah, Piranha's been going since 1971, uh, making whitewater kayaks. Uh, we started in. Oh, slalom, the slalom days with fiberglass kayaks and kind of went through to plastic and now we produce uh, the Venture Canoes and Kayaks range and the NHC kayaks alongside Piranha Whitewater. Pete, will you introduce yourself and Pete UK, if that's all right? Okay, yeah, I'm Pete Astles, uh, owner uh, of Peak UK Kayaking Equipment. Uh, been in the business since 1990. Uh, I wouldn't say business, really. It's, it, it's been my life, really, for the last 30 years, making uh, kayaking equipment, really following my own interests, making products uh, that I want to use myself, you know, from slalom products through polo, whitewater, sea kayaking. And, uh, you know, recently I've become a, a parent. Um, so we're making a, a good range of kids stuff. Um, so, yeah, basically here in Derbyshire, making paddling equipment. Nice one. Thanks for coming. And I will get now Steve, if that's all right. Steve from, from Tutiga, please. How are you doing, mate? Hey, I'm good. Thanks, Etienne. Um, I'm Steve Childs. I'm co-owner of Silver Birch and Tutiga Kayaks. Uh, we're based in Norfolk. Um, we've got a factory here on site. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting involved in the conversation this evening. And you're a company that I've not seen much around. You're relatively new. I said I saw it came around on 2010. Is that right when you first started? Uh, yes and no. It's a story of two halves. Yeah, Tutiga as a brand started in 2010. Um, I was involved quite heavily behind the scenes with some other brands doing design for five or six years before that. And really, Tutiga was born out of a... I guess, a passion for paddling. Uh, we were fed up with how our designs were being treated. We wanted the production to be done better. And since then, absolutely everything we've done has been based upon feeding our horrible addiction for paddle sports. And Paul, you know, this is uh, nice to see you again. I've, I've known Paul, sometimes known as cheesy to some people. I'm kind <laughs> of really torn up. I was waiting, how am I going to speak to him? Is it going to be Paul? Is it going to be cheesy? But Paul or Cheesy, how are you doing? Tell me a bit about you, you and your company. That's all right, please. Yeah, so I'm the uh, marketing manager for Palm Equipment. Um, so we have Palm Equipment, all the gear. That's been going since 1979. Um, and we also manufacture Dagger Kayaks. Uh, Islander is our own brand. And then Wilderness Systems Kayaks and Mad River Canoes. So we do the whole remit. We, we kind of top to toe, canoe, kayak, whatever you want to do on the water, we'll, we'll get you there. We do some emergency uh, services supply as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm up here in Scotland at the moment. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm away from the factory. We're closed down. But uh, yeah, it's nice to catch up with everyone. Cool. All right. Well, guys, just let me let you know, you know, you don't have to be like sitting in silence. If someone says something and you want to butt in, that's totally cool. We can just chat like we're just doing normal, like we were down at the pub or something like that. So I just wondered, you know, who wants to to, to, to say, you know, because 
I'm kind of interested for these companies, for you guys, you must be, you know, everything's changed, right? And I wonder what life has been like in the last, you know, few weeks for you and your company or, or, or what is what you've been up to? Have you been like frantically cleaning out that nasty corner in the warehouse that's been all building up? Or have you been putting, you know, doing some cool other things or just actually, you know, just chilling out and being at home? I don't know who anyone wants to start. <laughs> it's definitely been quite surreal. Um, but I'm sure it's the same for absolutely everybody uh, around the world, really. Um, we've definitely, I don't know, for me, it's given me a, a greater appreciation for for the kind of beauty of the sport that we do and uh, how much I enjoy doing it. I know that quite, uh, quite often there's been days where I've not gone paddling because the weather's not been perfect or because the water levels have been not quite what I wanted. Um, but I'm not sure that's uh, something that will continue when we're allowed back out again. Yeah, it's been desperate, eh? I mean, it's like, oh, just wanting to go canoeing. And it's been some lovely days as well. And it's like, and, I, and as has uh, Piranha, has it been like, I guess, are you making boats at the minute or anything like that? Or is it just kind of quiet? And I guess there's no one it to make them, is there? It's uh, it's been quiet. Uh, we've managed to keep some things ticking over uh, slowly, but um, obviously, kind of with all the um, measures in place possible to to make sure people are kept safe, um, and and obviously, not many people are out there kind of um, paddling at the moment, so there's not the same kind of uh, demand for the products and things like that right now. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been odd. We've been busy with other projects and kind of had to adapt quite quickly to the changing situation and uh, and do what we can, really. Yeah, well, I might ask you about some of these projects later, you know, if you <laughs> want to share any cool stuff that's going on. But uh, Pete, what about you, mate? What's it been like these last few weeks? I mean, I guess you've had the kids at home and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, on? yeah. No, it's been interesting for sure. Um, we were full on... Before lockdown, uh, before the 23rd of March, trying to produce a new product, the Racer ST 2020, uh, for the season ahead and, and particularly for the Olympics. And we were trying to juggle how we uh, make this product in time for the Olympics. So we were buying new sewing machines, taking them to people's houses just so they could, could make these, these products for the orders that we've got. But fortunately, the Olympics was postponed, which was a, a huge relief. It kind of kind of uh, saved us a little bit. Uh, we had a, a great sigh of relief. So we were juggling that. Um, and as soon as the lockdown came, I just thought, well, we'll close because just for the safety of my staff uh, and their families, you know, people aren't going paddling. All our market around the world was pretty much locked down. It just seemed a little bit pointless risking people to come in you know we can wait a few weeks for sure so so the way we look at it is we're on pause but yeah we've still been i've still been working at home and spending the great time with the kids i'm pretty frustrated that i can see the river outside the house but uh i've not been able to go on it you know not even stealth like you know because i've got to uh be responsible now with our paddle peak project of uh trying to open up the access you know the first thing or the last thing i should do really is uh jeopardize our project by having a sneaky paddle but uh you know i'm looking forward to for sure to be able to go out and get you know you know take the kids out but we've been out on our bikes every day we've been out making foamies uh playing in the streams we've been walking you know so we've actually enjoyed the time the weather's been brilliant so uh, whether it's because we're not driving and flying i don't know but the clarity of the sky has been fantastic yeah, it's been amazing there. And I, I never actually thought about that sort of interaction because they did cancel the Olympics, well, postpone the Olympics extremely late. They made that shout super late. So I guess you guys were sweating on that. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were, we were uh, pretty, uh, it was pretty tricky, but it was a little bit of a relief. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, no, we, we don't have to risk people's safety now to make that stuff, you know. So uh, Yeah, I guess it, sometimes it makes it simpler, isn't it? At the start, it was a bit sort of weird. No one quite knows what's going on. A bit now, I guess we're heading into uncertain territory again. It's going to be really tough. What about you, Paul? Um, how are you, How's it going? I mean, you're, you're up in Scotland by the sounds of things. So have you been just, is that where you live at the minute? Yeah, so I live just outside Aviemore in the Cairngorms. So oh, nice. I, I'd, be, I'd be lying if I didn't say that actually in a weird way on a personal level this this time's been great i've spent more time at home than i've done in years and um and we are really lucky up here we're pretty blessed that you know you can you can get out and there's some fantastic areas you can get to from your home really close by and enjoy so um you know that that's great but you know obviously i'm pretty well aware that i'm in a unique situation in that respect that a lot of people aren't so it, it's not great 
um, for, for those guys that are sort of in a more urban area maybe or, or kind of really locked down at home. Mm. Um, or those people working on the front line, of course, as well. You've got relatives and friends doing that. So it's tough. But as, as a business, we um, we sort of shut up uh, like everybody else really could just ahead of when when the actual sort of government lockdown came in we we're all manufacturers so you've all got um, people who have to work in close proximity and, and and you just can't necessarily do that safely um we we've actually that said we've reopened for a small level of dispatch of goods um in the last few weeks we're all in the same situation that we've got warehouses absolutely so chock full of gear that was all ready for the season um that there's a head for, for all of us that the main sort of selling season is always sort of march sort of easter time through till sort of late summer um mm. and uh, and then you get sort of different seasons after that but um so so we were sort of ready for that and um you just got to let that roll most of that's just going to have to roll roll over um in, into another year um but but you know we, we had to shut the doors and and, and stop um working um, but but in other areas, in other territories, like in, in Central Europe, people are able to get out and are still um, buying goods. So so we, as I say, we're doing a small amount of dispatch, but we've got kind of a hell of a lot of measures in place for anyone that is working. So just a couple of folk doing so. But we, we've been keeping ourselves amused. We've been um, doing loads of stuff online. We've had a load of kind of challenges. We've been focusing on, like Pete says, doing kids stuff. So Pete Pete joined in and doing the uh, foamy challenge. We've got a film one going on at the moment. No, yeah. No. So 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 um. So, so we've been, from a marketing point of view, um, it's actually been it's been kind of really refreshing that we've actually been sort of able to sort of park what we'd otherwise traditionally been doing and just think of creative new ideas that get people engaged. We've been digging through the archives of old old stuff, oh, and um, that yeah, and and that that's just been really really sort of refreshing and something to do. And sort of um, yeah, it's it's really not so much about selling hard at the moment. It's about just people enjoying and remembering that they they paddle and why they do it. Yeah, a bit of daydreaming, I guess, and all that sort of thing. And it's, and it's really interesting. I think this whole situation has brought out a lot of creativity, isn't it? I think, you know, when people's, you know, the, the yeah. sort of like the saying, the devil makes work for idle minds. I guess people aren't necessarily, not everyone is idle. But for some people, you know, the difference in changes seen is allowing, you know, all sorts of different ideas to come out and different, you know, cool things when you're just not doing everyday, day-to-day, day-to-day, day-to-day. And how about you, Steve? What about you, man? What's been going um, on in the Tiger world? I've heard a little bit, but... Pretty much the same as the other guys, really. I mean, when lockdown... In fact, just ahead of lockdown, we started having staff not come to work because they had, you know, maybe, um, in the case of our secretary, you know, a, a relative who's ill, and we didn't want to take that risk ourselves. So we we pushed them away from work to work from home ahead of the lockdown. Um, we've continued to work on site here um with a incredibly skeleton team i mean my business partner james and and i have found ourselves making boats for sort of urgent orders and such like uh which has been kind of interesting um sort of forgotten about that bit of life are they, are they um, going to be Friday boats? <laughs> yeah yeah that's the one and, and i have not qc'd any of them definitely not <laughs> um no no in all seriousness uh we're making very few boats right now um it's the odd oddity uh like paul suggested um we deal in territories around the world that have come out of lockdown now and it seems the first thing all these guys want to do when that happens is get on the water like i'm sure we all do um and so we've seen these massive spikes in demand in the last couple of weeks which have been puzzling um luckily like the other guys here we were very heavily stocked coming into the start of season um for a variety of reasons but um you know we're sitting here with orders we can't send out now and um so we've got a huge amount of stock here so to facilitate these overseas orders we're just making a couple of special custom canoes and kayaks here and there to get to the full number if you like so yeah, it, it doesn't feel like we've had to stop. It doesn't actually feel hugely different from normal. I, I live a mile from the factory, so, um, mm. yeah, I can literally walk to work across the fields. <laughs> it's, it's it's like a normal day, kind of. I guess I'd never really thought of that, you know, the sort of the lumpiness of demand. I just suddenly thought about the toilet roll manufacturers, you know, literally they'll have been crazy these last few weeks and all of a sudden everyone's got bog roll and they don't need it anymore. And so all of a sudden there's nothing going on. And then all of a sudden in a few weeks time, everyone will be starting to need toilet roll again. So it must be, must be tricky in the same world in the, in, in kayaks as well. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we, we manufacture canoes for maybe several months of the winter run leading up to March. 
and just were continually stocking, continually stocking. And within the space of a couple of weeks, they'll all fly out the door. Uh, of course, lockdown happened about that point in time. So, um, yeah, it, there's some logistical challenges. We have boats coming out of every blinking orifice in the building right now. Um, <laughs> could be worse. Fair enough. Question, question is, what are all those people, they, they've hoarded the toilet rolls. Have, have they now actually managed to use them all, or are they still sitting on sort of, you know, store? No covered? pun intended. I am. I absolutely do wonder that. I, I have wondered that myself. We, we have literally come to the near to the end of our toilet roll that we got in at the start. <laughs> and it was just the usual amount. And now it's like, well, I stress, I stress. Um, but there'll be people out there that have got literally enough to go till Christmas, I reckon. I'm like, yeah, good, good I'm, on you. But I'm really looking forward to the uh, cardboard canoes that will be created out of the centres of those, though. Yeah. Be, that could be your next uh, palm challenge, Paul. I was just, I was just thinking we definitely got a bronze <laughs> challenge there, yeah, for, for, for sure. <laughs> so I was going to ask as well, so one of the questions I, was, I always like to kind of uh, wonder about, you know, your – your proudest moment of your company, of your, you know, what what are you proudest of of your company in the way that it's, you know, either some of its products or what are you proudest of about the way that it operates, you know, the vibe and its style. And I'm sort of curious about that because I think sometimes at this time it seems to me nice to sort of think about good things and, and kind of, you know, ponder and reminisce about them and, and kind of be clear about them in your mind because that actually can help you going out of this. And I'll go on. I'll, I'll pick. I'll pick Pete first of all because I know he's got some things that he'd be proud of. What are you, what are you proudest of about Pete UK and, and its kind of its history? Uh, I kind of joke that it's not just a company; it's a family. So I think it's really that it is a family, and the people and the friends we've made along the way—not just uh, my family, but uh, all my staff, you know, and all my friends and people like yourself, Etienne. Uh, you know that's the thing so there's a lots of proud moments real highlights i guess um one of the biggest highlights was um watching you win gold in london but actually being there and watching watching that happen that was that thank was you guys pretty thank top you. class it was the last day one of the some of the last event in the last day we hadn't won a thing and then only tim and etienne went and won the gold medal you know like that was unbelievable moment you know that was you we had to pinch ourselves and we had to pinch ourselves several times after that i'm sure sure we still do now so so that was pretty good uh our little racer st product uh for the 2016 olympics was good again we've kind of risked that we sort of stuck with one team for that and the fact that joe clark went and won the gold medal again we couldn't have made this stuff up you know so um absolutely spot on you know and then just seeing my own son using our equipment uh that's really good and you know quite often i you kind of get bugged down in work and you don't sort of go out and see it but you know sometimes if i go to an event or i see kids out paddling and enjoying our equipment you know that it makes it all worthwhile so yeah there's so many good times along the way uh you know like i say the main thing is that family feeling really we 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 joke that it's peak uk family but it really is you know um and you know once you remember you're pretty much a member for life and uh you know welcome aboard everyone yeah, once you're in, you never get out of the sport of canoeing. And I guess that's it, you know. And it's the same. Yeah, I think it's a really nice thing. Oh, uh, yeah, man. What about well, what about you, uh, Matt? What about you? And uh, by the way, I'm enjoying the way you've got that boat balanced in the background there. I'm just hoping your your cat doesn't jump in it and bring it down or something. It's very precariously balanced. I'm uh, yeah, I'm worried myself. Don't. Worry. <laughs> um, I think uh, for for me certainly. Um, I was uh, a Piranha fan before I worked at the company and uh, it's great to kind of get in and be involved uh, in, a, in various aspects of the company and kind of uh, paddle packs that I've now had involvement with. But as a company's perspective, uh, it's just fantastic to see that Graham, the guy who founded it, is still at the helm and very much kind of deeply involved. At the moment, he's, uh, he's in the glass shop working away on a our next project so um and he's, he's just like involved with the company still to this day and his uh his daughter is as well and kind of the rest of us are an extension of that family same as as pete kind of says of peak uk and i think thinking of the uh the uk manufacturers particularly those of us around here it's uh it's great that we all get all, along so well the same way that everybody else in the kayaking community supports each other and at the end of the day goes paddling together and has a good time 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing for me. I, I, I love that. You know, I, I think there's that community thing. And just before we started here, you know, you guys were waiting. We were just chatting. And there is a good feeling because, you know, there's enough canoeing to go around, right? Everyone, we all love canoeing. And it's like, it's it's really it's really cool. And I think one thing interesting about Piranha is that, you know, there's that long, long history. And it's I think it's amazing how it's evolved from, you know, a slalom, slalom boat company. And then, yeah. it's, you know, doing all sorts of things and plastic boats. And that's kind of cool sort of evolution. Yeah, we're coming up to our 50th anniversary next year, so we were planning a, a big party. Uh, we've got to keep an eye on how things are when we get closer to that, that actual anniversary and see what we can do at the time, but uh, certainly we'll be planning to celebrate it in one way or another. You can make anniversary edition of the uh, yeah of some of your old-school designs. That would be wicked, man. That would be really cool. <laughs> we have, we've recently re- released a couple that we had uh, the moulds for around to the uh the sub seven and the inner zone certainly but uh, unfortunately that was what i wanted when i was a kid the (laughs) rotobat and it had like i wanted one with like the metal frame in it that you could go off the waterfalls in that was basically (laughs) indestructible yeah we've unfortunately not got the mold for that one anymore but uh, no what happened to it uh, just recycled. I mean, oh. the size of the building that we're working isn't really uh, big enough to store everything we've ever made. So, at some point, oh. you've got to you've got Don't to choose which thing. ones to get rid of and uh, get some new ones in. So, but yeah, the the variety definitely it's uh, it's great looking back on the history for for me as somebody who uh, even though it's my birthday today, I'm not old enough to remember all of those sorts of events. But seeing that we've come from the the kind of slalom days of winning. Uh, competitions there and then into uh, the very very early days of uh, plastic uh, kayaks and and moving through that and even kind of more modern things like the 9R Um, it's just great to be involved with uh, industry and kind of innovating and keeping people excited about the sport really cool man what about you Steve and what's what's been the proudest thing for you about about Tutiga Um, journey it's an absolutely impossible question to answer, really. Uh, everything. Uh, I'm sorry every- for the to you then, sorry. <laughs> um, we've been think- I've been thinking about it for all day, pretty much. Um, I can't narrow it get down to a single thing. I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we started a company designing boats for ourselves. Uh, it was nothing to do with commercial enterprise. I'm proud of the fact that we... Um, built upon that and started our own factory and we manufacture boats here in the UK. I'm proud of the fact we design boats here too. Um, They all come back to one thing though. Um, I just love paddle sports. I love being in a boat. I love paddling. And to be honest with you, it's got me through some quite dark times in my life. So um, I just love paddling. I think that's the honest answer. Yeah, man. Cool. I think we can all be kind of on that on that wicket. What about you, Paul? What about what about Pass? It's kind of proudest. It's magnum opus. That's one of my favorite uh, Latin uh, phrases, by the way. I looked that up on the internet before I came on here. It means masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> um, we well, I guess in terms of a masterpiece of of, of a product, our um, Asterix Extreme PFD stands out. It's 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 interesting, you know, as a brand. And, and some of the other guys here, for this, you have a legacy product that just keeps going and you, you move it along. Um, and when you have something that's sort of steadfast over time, you, you know that you've got something that, that matters to people, it works for people, and, and they enjoy it. As, as a company, I mean, we've got a, a pretty broad portfolio, but you know, like Matt said, getting to 50 years, we got to 40 years last year. And um, that was a real sort of um, landmark moment um, for the company. And it, and it was just really enjoyable to kind of look at the history that was there. Um, and it's interesting sort of sitting here, everyone around, around in, this, in this chat, sort of, you know, it's, it's a lifetime of paddle sports. And, and that was something we came through. We, we sort of set a new mission for our company last year. And the last line is to enjoy a li- lifetime of paddle sports. And that's, that's our quest, um, that people do that. And, and the people sat here are a testimony to that. And the fact that all of the companies that are represented here are, are sort of founder run still. And it's an industry that's completely nothing sort of based within that. It, it, it's got that sort of um, family vibe, as Pete talked about. Um, perhaps it's maybe incestuous, I don't know. But it's, um, it's kind of, um, you know, pe- people get locked into it, not just the industry, but the activity for, for a lifetime. And, and the beauty is that it, it, it gives that. 
you know you can start as an olympian like you are and you can transition into other things and still enjoy the activity throughout your your, your life um you've got my, my dad's out and he's 78 and he's he's in his canoe not right now but uh, will be and um and that's that's the kind of the journey that you can go on with paddle sports which i think we all are just absolutely deeply in love with that's it yeah well, if it's my my ambition is to be kayaking till I'm 80 years old. If I have to stop when I'm 81, then maybe that's how it goes. But I got I've heard a couple of questions have come in from the uh, from the live stream from from Matt. And the first one is, can you bring back the nano? Come on, Matt. no, no. <laughs> Don't do Historically, it. no. <laughs> oh, I'll vote for that. Has it gone with the rotor back? It was. You know what? It's I've been, it's been voted out. I paddled one and it was a great time, but uh, I think things have moved on since since then. I've, that's the beauty of of working in an industry where everybody's passionate about it, and if you have an idea, there's there's not kind of corporate um, team telling you that no, it doesn't make commercial sense. You can do it, you can try it, and you can have a great time in it. But ultimately, if it doesn't work, then uh, you move on and do something else. And I think we've moved on. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and this one. What is a banana rama about? The, what's going on with that? Do you anything? Is that a project name? Oh, that's a that's a top secret one. If uh, if anybody was to go to the Prana blog, they might find a, a lovely uh, lovely post about it. That uh, if they're of a certain generation, would make a lot of sense to them. But if they're not in that generation. Would make absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, Seriously, uh, Paul might have some Bananarama vinyl just back there. Yeah, I, know. I was going to say, I was most most impressed. He's been he spent all afternoon like putting them in there. Before um, it was just like teddy bears and, <laughs> and stuff. That's what he's doing. Lockdown. He's alphabetically organised it. I know. It's, 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 I don't want to move from here. Moving this collection is just like it's just oh, it's it's a nightmare. It's just two thousand <laughs> records. <laughs> you should tell us a little bit more about why you've got those uh, vinyls in there, Paul. What's your uh, your secret hobby? Oh, D- uh, DJing. So I've got I've got the uh, just underneath here. <laughs> uh, funny, <laughs> funny you should ask. Oh, look here we go. Uh, He's prepared a mix for us. And then I just uh, yeah, I kind of come in here, and then it's pretty dark here in scotland in the winter so you know just dj a bit for myself i used to i used to, to play at all the parties i used to play at the peak parties and, and different mm-hmm. ones and uh and now it's just a hobby for me myself here at home and paul i got a question it's, it's really i gotta ask it i'm afraid so i'm assuming you're facing the wall when you're doing your mixing but do you just kind of imagine that there's a huge crowd in front of you and it <laughs> for sure i mean you, you and i both know that you know Exactly. I mean, you know as well as I do that visualization is is is, is part of winning. So you know, if if you want to if you want to do a good set, you've got to visualize that crowd. <laughs> yeah, man. I can just see it being against the wall. I thought to myself, you know, e- even in the age of you know like virtual backgrounds in Zoom or something, perhaps you could get a projection or something to like put it out and you know like some sort of sundown or something well i i need i need to kind of like sort of you know live stream it or something like that joining with the defest parties they've been having on saturday night they've been pretty good (laughs) yeah man it looks pretty i've got to be honest i I secretly would like to be a dj as well you know (laughs) i I had a question as well matt just my own set who knows here what a 50th anniversary you know if you're a 50th wedding anniversary what does that what do you what do you get for that does anyone know it's the golden anniversary of that one Mm. yeah I was going to say you should make a golden nano edition. <laughs> <laughs> We've, uh, unfortunately, yeah, that, that's another one where the mold's been recycled. So uh, I'm afraid it, it's not coming back. Sorry. <laughs> Be a bit of a rip off right. Freon as well with the old golden spuds. Do you remember then? Yeah. I, yeah. Somebody <laughs> did mention those to me uh, recently. And uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. Uh, I'm not sure about it. <laughs> Take take it to the manager and ask him. You know, when it, they'll they'll think about it. So I've got a question from Claire Rutter, who who has a question for both Pete and Paul, and they were sort of interested uh, about what your plans are for making more uh, equipment specifically aimed at the female market. And uh, she was hoping that her and her buddies can be in the sheep haddles ambassadors could like help you out if you wanted. Anyone who wants to take up on that one? Yeah, go on then. No problem. Um, we'll 
ladies uh, or female sizes, we've begun to add uh, generally female sizes on all our life jackets and then the sort of higher end jackets and pants sort of from next year, the Neo skin. Uh, it would be quite useful um, to have some uh, models or bodies to try these things on for sure, you know, and give us some feedback. Uh, so yeah, drop us an email, no problem. Uh, but like a lot of our products, we are developing lady sizes and uh, kids sizes um, to complement the guys, not not just shrinking and pinking, doing a real specific ladies' cut. So uh, wrap buoyancies, for instance, because of the layering system, they kind of blended really well to do a ladies' cut with uh, more buoyancy below the chest and sort of less, more flexible buoyancy on, on above. And, you know, they work really well and they fit fit really well for girls. But, yeah, so uh, drop us a line. And, uh, this is a bit like Dragon's Den now. I don't know what to is, do. Yeah. Paul, what have you got to say about the, the, the you know, the, the female equipment market? Well, we've, we've been making female gear, specific female gear, for about 10 years. Um, and um, it's, it, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't, it's not easy. Um, it's not easy, first of all, to get the right fit because body, body form is, is different for many people. Um, and, and so you need a wider range of sizes um, to accommodate that so people are comfortable in the equipment. Um, and to be perfectly honest with you, the, the female paddle sport market is growing, which is, which is fantastic. Um, it's not a sort of an equal state, which which we'd like to see. Um, but ultimately, as a business, you've got to you still have to make some decisions based on what you can sell. And our experience, unfortunately, is that we put products out there and they just don't sell through. So we're not necessarily getting the support from the market that we, that we we need to keep moving the products forward. And and equally, you you do get this sort of you're sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Whereby we'll bring something out in maybe a neutral color. But then we're asked if we can do it in a sort of pink or, or a color like that, and then you, 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 you so, so, so so and and there just there isn't there isn't enough um, demand to do all of the options. So so we really you know we we we've definitely been going at that for about ten years, and we'll continue to do so as a brand. It's really really important to us that we we've got sort of basically equipment that fits people, um, and so that that's in in the in the cut as well as in the styles um, and the way it performs. So so we, we've been doing that for a while, but it's um it's not. It's not as easy, um, you know, and it's not. Um, it's it's a challenge. It's a real, real challenge that we we've stepped up to, but we'll continue to do so. Yeah, man, yeah, it's got to be done. I'd say that carries across to the the boats as well. Uh, as far as Nofrana was the first kind of uh, brand to release free sizes of kayak, and yeah, the smaller sizes are always the ones that take a, a little bit longer to sell through, and uh, it's a it's a real scary investment for. For small companies like us to for peak and palm to invest in the stock of those things and for for ourselves to invest in the mold for a, a particular model in a particular size and having the kind of evidence that we've got so far from past sales we rarely make the money back on those models um so yeah, yeah interesting. Real- small boats are really tricky to get right. Eh? I mean, I guess, you know, in slalom, you know, getting really, you know, the, the, the I suppose the change, the percentage change in a smaller boat is is larger. You know, if you have a, like a, a small tweak and have a really big impact on a, on a, on a small boat. And I guess it's, a, it's tricky. I've just been hearing quite a lot of uh, love for Paul's DJ setup. That seems to be going down. Look at that. <laughs> David, Peter Bain. What's he doing on here? Get him off. <laughs> <laughs> scratch pink floyd do you scratch pink floyd i don't know about that you've got to let that one just go you can't touch pink floyd no please this all is... the way through all the way through <laughs> <laughs> so i was interested as well i was sort of wondering um people are sort of uh were asking um what will boats be made of in the future Oh, hold on. I've got another question. No, let's go back to that first question. Sorry. Have you noticed a change in the popularity numbers of people in the sport? Is there a particular discipline that's proven most popular? I don't know if anyone wants to pick up on that. That's one of my friends, so I'm going to let somebody else take that one. Oh. Did <laughs> you plan them? I, I, Did you ask them? I think it seems to change. You know, um, in the late 90s, playboating, for instance, had a real boom, you know, and uh, <laughs> it was a massive uh, playboating boom. And then... Uh, few years back sea kayaking seemed to take a boom and obviously now the stand-up paddleboarding so people's interest you know it seems to go in uh, peaks and troughs but uh, obviously there's always a more popular sort of discipline as numbers overall generally overall that's british community i think membership is is up and our business is up year on year uh so i think it's growing but uh exactly where i don't 
I wouldn't be able to pinpoint. Uh, right now, obviously, stand-up paddleboarding, but for us, isn't great because they don't actually use much equipment apart from shorts and a rashy. Uh, and, uh, I don't know what the and other sunglasses. You got to get your sunglasses, sunglasses on as well. Bikini, yeah. But, uh, that's the thing. I was going to ask Steve this as well because I, I know um, Tutiga does seems to do a lot of uh, sit on top boats, and I think that's been a huge thing for our sport because mm. one, you know, a certain generation, you ask people. Oh, have you been canoeing before? And they go, oh, I did like 30 years ago and I flipped over and I couldn't get out. But now we sit on top kayaks. It's like just allows people to just go. And, and I guess there's just like it must make it way easier for families and all sorts of people just to get on the water. And that, that's got to be a good thing, surely. Without a doubt, as long as they're well designed. I mean, quite a lot of the sit on tops you see on uh, eBay and places like that. Um poorly designed and they don't give people a fair introduction to our sport as a whole um that's actually why we created Tutiga. um we were looking to create sit on top leisure rec product but very much from the perspective of uh, a paddler's point of view a boat that paddled like a kayak or canoe and um yeah we we've been shocked to see how much that marketplace has grown over the years um I think it's stabilized and matured as a market now. Um, but uh, as a whole, we're seeing a trend more and more and more towards summer leisure wreck paddling, whether that be on a stand-up paddleboard, in a canoe, on a sit-on-top. You know, the, the truth is they all have their place. Um, I used to be quite snobby about these things back in the day. Um, in fact, I didn't want to design a sit-on-top when we were first asked to. Um, but the reality is they get people out on the water. They are, like you rightly pointed out, they allow people to try our sport. And once they're hooked, you know, I mean, there are a million ways you can take it. So, um, yeah, uh, we, we see a, a mature market that's growing. And, and to be honest with you, um, the things that we expect to see out the back of lockdown, you know, the appreciation perhaps it's given people for the rivers and being outside, um, I see that trend continuing. I, I yeah. see there being more and more leisure wreck paddling. Um, yeah, that's absolutely it, isn't it? Because, yeah, this is the question paddle logger here. You know, do you think sup and sit on top of great entry level paddle sports? And I, I go, no, you must. Anyone disagree with that out there? Yeah, I would say it is. It's uh, really accessible to anyone, isn't it? Stand on mm. paddleboard. Um, I took one. We went on holiday before lockdown. We won a prize for our printing from Roland and we won a trip to Thailand. Um, and we took a stand-up paddleboard, just took it on the plane and uh, pumped it up and went out in the swimming pool on it and went out on the sea, took the kids, and it was just instant. And the fact you could uh, pop it in a bag was was amazing. And uh, obviously, sit on tops, you know, uh, instantly accessible to anyone as well. Like the guy said, you can just you can go straight away and not be scared of being stuck in that in that boat and they're very stable. So so, so yeah, great. I think stand-up paddleboards are just the ultimate falling off, messing around on the river type thing, aren't they? You know, just going down and just flinging, yeah. flinging yourself in and jumping off and all that. And they give you a really different perspective of the river or the, the sea or whatever body of water you're on as well. Um, I think that's quite interesting. They give you a different core workout. That's kind of fun too. But they, they, they do have their limitations in terms of the weather. So whilst they're perfect on a glorious sunny day, for example, they're not so good. Uh, when the wind picks up and that's where the sis on top mm. or the canoe might might form part of the plan um so yeah i think like, like i said they they all have a place uh um, that, that first impression is definitely key as well it was, mm. it's so easy for coming into the sport there's a bewildering number of uh, types of kayak and canoe and uh, and different brands and it's it's so easy without the right advice of a of a specialist dealer to um, to make the wrong choice and to have a, a bad experience. Whereas if they choose a, a decent stand-up paddleboard, sit on top, canoe, whatever it might be, um, they can get into into the sport and really kind of access that that good feeling that we all know. Um, and as Paul said earlier, there's such a, a depth of kind of variety in there that if you if you get into it and enjoy it and really kind of get what it's about then you can explore all sorts of uh, avenues within it yeah so what about inflatable kayaks i'm always a little bit yeah what's going on with them so i sometimes see you see people out there in inflatable kayak and you think yeah i'm not sure they've been to a club recently that's one thing isn't it I can go back in the day it was really 
much easier to go to a club to try and start boat and then you learn about you know how to get in and you know be safe and all that but now i guess you can like you said you go off on ebay straight up you can just get you know just get out there and probably potentially get yourself into trouble i don't know what do you guys think of that i think the the biggest thing is the, the people are missing out on that community as well aren't they if they're not kind of going to that club yeah, and yeah. making those friends and or going to the dealer and getting to know people there then it's a real I, shame I, that the I don't entirely agree with that, though. I, I think we, we, we as an industry risk pigeonholing people because of our, our history in the sport in many cases, pigeonholing people um, or trying to pigeonhole people too much. And, um, you know, yes, we, we love the idea of people joining clubs and learning the, the, the ropes and going through the structures. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of benefit to that for people. And there's a, there's a, there's a lot of knowledge there as well, which, which can be really useful. But if someone just wants to go down and, and get on the water and have a go and they and they and they wouldn't otherwise if they went through a structure well well good they they need to they need to access the sport and the activity that way um hopefully they're then inspired to keep doing so and they explore different things there is there is a risk however as, as steve alluded to with people so many accessible very very cheap alternatives which sometimes people assume they can go and do things that aren't really um they're not designed and made for so you see so you so you get these situations where you sign someone near near a local weir and an inflatable and and they're you know, they, they then become a, a danger to themselves um and there's a risk because they haven't had some sort of degree of training so i, I guess there's some sort of imparting rather like sort of the, the whole sort of um you know, look left, look right, crossing a road. So as, as an industry, imparting that basic knowledge that people like the RNLI are, are really quite, well, they're, they're okay at doing They scaremonger a bit, to be honest. But, um, but that's sort of just core message. Just, just take a few common sense steps and then have a go on the water. But I, I think people can, can get to it wherever and however they want. All right. So, yeah, that's a good shout from Greg. I guess, you know, it's all about creating that, that pathway, isn't it? From getting on, having a good experience, and then starting off, because we all started off our first time, you know, going around in circles and falling out, being scared of getting wet. And then, you know, you get find yourself going to Olympics or something. We've got a plan. Say that again. I pretended to be a battleship when I was first paddling. Ah. <laughs> hey, <okay. laughs> so I've got a question from Ben. I can tell he's been watching. He's a keen fan. So what's the coolest colour for next season? I guess I'm going to ask Pete that. Oh, this season, if it happens, or when it happens. Um, well, he's not really said what sort of paddling he's going to do, um, Ben. Um, I think he's uh, he's a bit of a plant, this one. Um, <laughs> so, you know, our new jackets, basically all our jacket line this year, year um, are made from recycled textiles, so I'd go for one of those. Colours are pretty, pretty fetching. Uh, reds, blues, oranges, limes, strong colours. Um, you know, so go sustainable, go PQK. That's my, that's me. I'm biased. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to come in with a uh, fully recycled nylon and teal. Teal's your colour to go for. Ah, uh, yes. I know teal is a big, I, I hear a lot about teal. I had to find out what it actually was, but it's a sort of greeny blue. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. It's a greeny blue or a bird. If you want to, if you want to look at it in that, that name namesake, but it's uh, yeah. We like to educate people here as well. You know, we're learning all sorts, you know, you heard about magnum opus. Now you've heard about teal. So I'd probably say to Ben, I'd probably say to Ben, as long as it matches this piranha kayak, that's absolutely fine. Oh, guys, you guys are getting good <laughs> yeah, it's now. Custom one. Custom colors available. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know if we're going to get any more questions, but I sort of feel like I've got one last question to ask. I'm kind of interested. What will boats be made out of in the future? This was a question that arrived in the inbox uh, before the show, and I think that's kind of an interesting question. Go on, Steve. You well, go first. What do I have to yeah, go Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, In all honesty, I still think they're going to be made of thermoplastics. Um, we've been researching endlessly for the last 10 years to find other materials that perhaps have a lower environmental impact. Um, so far, we haven't found any that truly make a difference. Those which perhaps have slightly more um, environmental credentials in terms of being recycled have other issues with them. Um, and materials going away from thermoplastics just don't have the durability, the impact resistance, the scratch resistance that we're looking for. So I still think it's going to be thermoplastic-based materials. I think that, and we're certainly having a lot of 
success with increasing the durability of the material, uh, better UV stability, better impact resistance. Um, and I see, and it's certainly something we're looking at, moving away from rotational molding eventually. Um, there are other forms of molding out there which we're interested in, um, which allow you to mold both surfaces of the kayak or canoe. So because you've got the control over that inner layer too, you can start to put thicknessing ribs in. So you can have a kayak that's got a really oh, yeah. thin deck for weight, but with an exoskeleton inside it to allow for um, impact resistance, for example. Um, you can start putting inserts inside the kayak so that your seat can strap onto it, just like a snowboard straps onto a snowboard binding. Oh, mm. the other way around. Um, you know, and then you can standardize seats so you could have more interesting seating systems, more custom seating systems and things like that. So that's kind of where I see the sport going to a still with thermoplastic, possibly with composite reinforcement even, but uh, something which is dual molded so that you've got control over that thickness. Mm, I'm interested. I like a bit of engineering as well. What about you, Matt? What's your mm. sense on that front? Um, I I think the the pace of innovation really, particularly as we emerge from the current situation, is going to depend a lot on the uh, the price. And to be honest, at the moment we uh, are always trying new uh, new plastics and uh, new methods of molding and anything we can uh, think of to to improve the quality and durability of the products um, and obviously the environmental credentials as well. So. Of late, we've been uh, taking areas like the cockpit cutouts and uh, recycling those into into the splash colours, but we're really limited on what we can research and develop right now by the amount of money that's available in the industry. And mm. I think the uh, the sooner we can get to a, a place where we can make people more aware of what actual value there is in, in the production of these uh, specialist products, then the more we can investing i'd love to see a titanium kayak that would be incredible <laughs> <laughs> i'd like but it'd be interesting to see the reality is that um rotor molding which is which is what we all do is around about one percent of um of sort of plastic sort of uh, production probably less actually um and so and that's rotor molding as a whole um and then and then you've got sort of our division of it which is the specialist end and the very top end with making um kayaks um, so the, the reality is it's, it's so fractional compared to plastic technology. There's really no investment into it in terms of improving the technology, which is why we're all making mm. sort of polyethylene kayaks, like you know, not a million miles different to how they start because they do, they're fit for purpose. They do what they do. Um, so really a step change in terms of materials is, is, is the only way forward. And you look to other industries and that's, that's how they've moved forward. But, but there's also the, the question of, of the legacy and lifetime. Now, we're very lucky that a kayak might last someone 20, 30 years. Its lifespan is fantastic. So we look at current product disposal rates. Um, paddle sports, in many instances, is actually very favorable in terms of the, the lifespan people are getting out of the products. But, but as an industry... Um, probably one of the biggest in innovations that's going to come at the next is actually taking products out of that cycle and repurposing them. And the whole repurposing yeah. sort of um, method of, of, of product development is, is really interesting. Things like biopolymers, and bio, they're, they're out there, but there's a whole question with those in terms of the way they're produced in order to, for example, make a field of, of, of sort of material that you're going to produce for a biosense. You might have to deforest. It might have to then be processed by, by heat sources like coal, shipped to somewhere to go to ethanol, come back as plastic. So it's, it's, it's not at the moment the, yeah, the holy okay. grail exactly what what you can achieve so so we're all sort of stuck what we are all doing is starting to you know waste cost us money so at, at palm we've been um, in our islander kayaks we've had a recycled kayak from the from the boats we produce for over 10 years now and now we've also last year launched the first ever marine recycled plastic kayak the good news in there is that the beaches that are being cleaned for this material are now actually starting to get slightly scarcer in some cases of the material there in the first instance, which is brilliant because what you don't want is that material still being there. So, so there, there are some step changes, but we, we, we need to see something big coming along. And unfortunately, as an industry, we, we don't have the money to invest in that, to support it. It mm -hmm. needs to come from outside for us to, to capture and use. I think it's interesting. So Paul here is asking about a recycling scheme for boats. I was thinking I went to, uh, there's a flea market nearby my house in Nottingham and there was a dancer 
in there yeah. just the other weekend and it was on sale for like 10 pounds and it still looked actually pretty good if you'd have given it a, good, a bit of a scrub i reckon you could have paddled it just fine it was totally it was totally sound but what's that yeah that idea of like you know recycling boats is that gonna is that gonna take off and kind of you know to be able to kind of keep it a circular sort of economy type thing yes so uh, i mean the the main thing with that is obviously uh, we recycle have recycled any of the production waste that uh, we've had ever since we started doing plastic kayaks um, and more recently within our own products but then end of life cycle products are a are a whole other challenge you've uh, you've got to then bring those products back in and and clean them down thoroughly strip everything out of them that isn't the same material and separate them out the same you would separate your plastics and uh, other materials at home for recycling um, and wash those down uh, and if we don't do that um, then the whole bag of recycling that we put that into can then get rejected and then you you're actually kind of going backwards rather than forwards so so really it, it's possible uh, but the systems need to be in place to get those products back to a point where they can be recycled and they need to be cleaned down and uh, and stripped completely. So even though there is a value to that material at the moment, that value doesn't cover the amount of work that goes into preparing them for that recycling. Yeah, I think that's the thing about it, isn't it, as well? You know, if you make something good and it's, you know, you could think about it in the future, how it's going to be be taken, you know, the whole sort of, the whole cycle of it designed in from the very start. But I've just realised, guys, because it is, Thursday, we've got to clap for the NHS in about eight minutes. So I'm going to start to wrap it up. Does anyone want to say one last thing about that kind of recycling thing, or shall I? Shall I well, yeah, I've been. Uh, I'm after a way. I don't know how to do it. We'd like to be able to recycle garments, um, jackets, life jackets. You know, we're scratching our head. Really, I guess it would be uh, to repurpose them somehow or uh, upcycle. So if anyone's got any ideas on upcycling equipment, obviously, like Matt said, it has to be time efficient really uh but you know what could we do with jackets uh life jackets wetsuits all of that stuff when it reaches the end of its usable life uh because an awful lot of it i suspect goes to landfill so mm. I, I, we can and we do recycle boats for local clubs and local paddlers um the snag for it for us is there's obviously a carbon footprint in moving that old boat to us here mm. at the factory so you know, anyone within a hundred miles of here, we'd happily, if they're willing to bring their boats to to us here at the factory, we're happy to repurpose them or grind them up and use them to make uh, a tank or something similar, which is what we tend to do with our recycled plastic. Put it in places where it doesn't get UV light. Well, guys, look, I want to just say thank you once again for for turning up, and I want to say thank you for everyone who's who's been watching. It's just been so good having you along. Really pleased you know i know you've all got things to be doing on an evening um it's really lovely to to have you along i just want to say thank you so much to all our guests guys thank you so much i want to say thank you to the to mark who's doing the production because you know we don't want to make any mistakes i would go in live it was slightly terrifying but i think it's gone very well and i'm really happy happy birthday to matt that's good yeah Matt. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday matt i've got a beer for you matt I I oh amazing i've got some water oh. <laughs> There you go. Thanks for coming. Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> and we'll see you all, we'll see you all you. soon enough. Everything's going to be out there on social media. Oh, do we sing? No, guys. I'm going to say, Dell, sorry. I don't do singing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a like doing podcasts. I like talking to people. People don't need singing in their lives. But we'll Thank see God you all that. next week. He's a crooner. Oh, <laughs> very, very kind of you. And on that note, everybody, good night. Thank you for coming. And Thanks uh, for see listening. you all soon. Yeah, yeah, cheers, cheers, guys. Guys. Stay safe. Stay safe. Go paddle soon. <laughs>